Chapter Thirteen, The Cobbs's Creatures. About this time, the gentleman whom the king had left behind him to watch over the princess, had each occasion to doubt the testimony of his own eyes, for more than strange were the objects to which they would bear witness. They were of one sort creatures, but so grotesque and misshapen as to be more like a child's drawings upon his slate than anything natural. They saw them only at night, while on guard about the house. The testimony of the man, who first reported having seen one of them, was that, as he was walking slowly round the house, while yet in the shadow, he caught sight of a creature standing on its hind legs in the moonlight, with its forefeet upon a window ledge, staring in at the window. Its body might have been that of a dog or wolf, he thought. But he declared on his honour that its head was twice the size it ought to have been for the size of its body, and as round as a ball, while the face, which it turned upon him as it fled, was more like one carved by a boy upon the turnip inside which he is going to put a candle than anything else he could think of. It rushed into the garden. He sent an arrow after it, and thought he must have struck it. For it gave an unearthly howl, and he could not find his arrow any more than the beast, although he searched all about the place where it vanished. They laughed at him until he was driven to hold his tongue, and said he must have taken too long a pull at the ale jug. But before two nights were over, he had one to side with him, for he too had seen something strange. Only quite different from that reported by the other. The description the second man gave of the creature he had seen was yet more grotesque and unlikely. They were both laughed at by the rest, but night after night another came over to their side, until at last there was only one left to laugh at all his companions. Two nights more passed, and he saw nothing. But on the third, he came rushing from the garden to the other two before the house, in such an agitation that they declared, for it was their turn now, that the band of his helmet was cracking under his chin with the rising of his hair inside it. Running with him into that part of the garden which I have already described, they saw a score of creatures, to not one of which they could give a name, and not one of which was like another. Hideous and ludicrous at once, gambolling on the lawn in the moonlight. The supernatural, or rather subnatural, ugliness of their faces, the length of legs and necks in some, the apparent absence of both or either in others, made the spectators, although in one consent as to what they saw, yet doubtful, as I have said, of the evidence of their own eyes and ears as well, for the noises they made. Although not loud, were as uncouth and varied as their forms, and could be described neither as grunts nor squeaks nor roars, nor howls nor barks nor yells, nor screams nor croaks nor hisses nor mews nor shrieks, but only as something like all of them mingled in one horrible dissonance. Keeping in the shade, the watchers had a few moments to recover themselves. Before the hideous assembly suspected their presence, but all at once, as if by common consent, they scampered off in the direction of a great rock and vanished 
before the men had come to themselves sufficiently to think of following them.